Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. I'm joined today with by Catherine Rubino, also of Above the Law. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I am good. Um, I'm pretty I'll tired. tell you, I mean, I was going to say, I, not to like call you out, but you don't look great. I, no, I mean, you look great. Oh, wow. You know. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's shots fired out of the gate. No, I just meant you looked You looked like you had done a lot today. Uh, uh, was yeah. there a marathon? No, I, uh, I did just, however, come from teaching a CLE course. Look so. at you all lawyerly. Yeah. I Look was, at that. Uh, the good people at the New York State Bar had someone accident, you know, someone for things they couldn't foresee dropped out and wasn't able to do the show at the last minute, and uh, their response was to ask me. Now, they asked me, however, while I was at dinner and having had been drinking, so I oh, said that's yes. Fair. That's not fair. When I, should, <laughs> when I probably should have said no, but... Uh, but now it's done. Yes. So, so I, I mean, what... I spent the weekend researching social media and the law, which is something that while I understand law and social media is not necessarily a, a place of expertise for me, so I... Fair enough. Did, uh, you, you did some did quick do, research. Like, you had to do extra credit to to make it all happen for you. Yeah, I think that's probably fair to well, say. Well, did you at least get to tell some stories about terrible things that lawyers do because we that's what we cover here at Above the Law? A little bit. Uh, I had a little bit of that, but to fill it out and make it actually educational, a lot As opposed to just funny right. stories? <laughs> a lot more of it was about the ethical obligations to- Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Don't be a jerk online. Uh, yes, but also advertising. Like uh, your, sure, sure. your web presence can be construed as advertising and must, you know, stuff like that. Avoiding solicitation issues. I will tell you lots of times lawyers are jerks online, though. I'll tell you the most interesting question was from somebody in the audience. I was talking about there's uh, there are provisions about not virtual ambulance chasing. So okay. the usual solicitation rules we all are familiar with, hopefully – that if you, for instance, there are community and neighborhood groups, right? And if an sure, accident sure. were to happen in that neighborhood and somebody tried to jump into that neighborhood group and say, hi, if you were injured in this accident, <laughs> right? So there's provisions against that, which prompted somebody to say, well, what if, what about the scenario where it is okay for you to just generally post your skill set? If you utilize certain keywords, even without targeting that group, wouldn't it show up there? And wouldn't that raise an mm. issue. And I was like, I don't know, but that's an excellent point. <laughs> uh, these rules were created long before the algorithm. Geotargeting. The and, algorithm got yeah. this good, you know? So well, but, I mean, listen, uh, lawyers are not known to be the most tech savvy um, group in the world. True. And I think that that coupled with the, the rapidly changing social media landscape probably means that we're like five steps behind. But But theoretically, a social media consultant could tell you to write your, if you were injured in an accident, to include references to the beautiful blah, blah, blah mountain or whatever, and then it and then suddenly it up. shows up that way. And like, where does it cross the line from you're just advertising in that neighborhood to you're specifically saying, I know there was an accident well, and I'm trying to get your, I would think yeah. that if the advertisement was created before the accident, it could not Well, be. sure, but th this is about, is there a way around, is there basically a way to s target your solicitation without violating the rules. It was very fascinating. I and I did not have an answer because that was 
a quirk of technology that was beyond what the cases who've broached sure. this issue that makes sense. to date have dealt with. But I thought that was very interesting. Food for thought for those of you who use this show to learn stuff about the law, mm. which I don't know why you would. I mean, it seems know, a little you know, weird, yeah, but, you know. Anyway, uh, well, let's, before we get into our topic of the day, let's talk a little bit about uh, our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by your pet frog, who's very mad at you, all because you're still slogging through an endless doc review project. Make better decisions, keep your pet, and work smarter with Logical, e-discovery software that gets you started in minutes. Don't let frustrating, outdated e-discovery make you croak. <laughs> Create your free account today at Logical.com forward slash ATL. That's Logic with a K, C-U-L-L dot com forward slash ATL. Nicely done. Yeah, well, I mean... As I've said on many previous podcasts, we're starting to run out of pets for me to do this with. It's really good. We're going to face a crisis. Should do an alpaca next. That's my challenge to you. Okay. I mean, I, mean, I don't know who owns an alpaca, but maybe. Whatever. I mean, that's your challenge? Yeah. Like, well, amateur I mean, I have hour. Oh, oh, oh. No. Sean's uh, fired. <laughs> fair enough. Well, uh, let, uh, let's begin our conversation mm. of the day. Uh, so mm. we're joined today by Lisa Prouse, who's a Senior Vice President of Legal Services and Document Review at BIA. And we're going to talk a little bit about document review. And I know that's something you know a little bit about and I know a little bit yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, so, I, uh, well, yeah. I spent a little more time than you did on document review. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for joining us today, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks. So let's begin by just talking about BIA. So what is BIA for anyone who doesn't already know? I think we've we've talked about BIA on this show before. So hopefully everyone's listened to this, you know, listened to every episode. I mean, you know. Like but a real completist. from me. So. I guess that's true. <laughs> um, and I'm sorry for that for everybody who hasn't heard it from somebody better. But um, BIA <laughs> is in the industry. We're an e-discovery vendor. So essentially we get contacted by, you know, we've got corporate clients, but we also get contacted by law firms to help with collecting data, um, processing data, producing or you know, reviewing data, producing data, and disposing of it when we're done. Yeah. Well, that was actually one portion of this CLE that I taught today dealt with the oh, question of, yeah, see, social media, which is yeah. a form of data that uh, terrifyingly, according to surveys I've seen, a lot of lawyers and in-house legal departments don't even think to collect, even though it's pretty important. And it's something that they need, you know, the help of vendors usually to be able to get and secure and put in a structured form for people to uh, look through. I literally just did the numbers on that the other day for a, oh, yeah. for a different department or for a different purpose, but it was, you know, two years ago, essentially, I, I don't know that we even had a single request for the whole wow. year. And then last year was, I would say probably about, you know, maybe 10%. And this year I'm estimating it's probably going to be closer to 30 or 40% where that we're collecting you know, more mobile data and social media. Yeah. I, the, the the survey that I cited in the, my CLE was that 14% of in-house legal departments responded to the survey saying that they collected, and that was in 2018. So that's yeah. that more or less tracks the numbers you yeah. were talking yep. about. Like, yeah. Well, anyway, that, that, was, that was a side note. Well, we, it is sort of an interesting part of it. Yeah. No, yeah. It, absolutely. And the idea that there's data out there everywhere and people need to begin the process of walking away from the idea that it's just It's the, a filing cabinet yeah, somewhere? Yeah, it's the filing cabinet somewhere. I'm just going to take the contents of this filing cabinet and uh, <laughs> look at those. Digitize them. <laughs> 
Yeah, so one of the topics you wanted to talk about was the the whole process, sort of, of document review and the psychology of it. So, yeah. Years ago, I, I was a temp attorney. I, you know, I, I graduated from law school, practiced privately for about 18 months. I did estate planning and family law, and God bless anybody who still does that. But <laughs> after 18 months of that, I was, you know, really, want, I was crying, and I was like, I, I don't, what did I do? Like, I cannot believe I spent that much money, and I don't want to ever do this. And, and luckily it was, you know, the beginning, it was early 2000. And so it, the early 2000s and, you know, e-discovery was really just kind of, you know, blossoming. And during law school, one of the things that I actually did, you know, for, you know, side money and to pay bills was I did a lot of database work on the internet. So I had a database background already. So it just kind of made sense when, you know, I heard that you could actually do database stuff and law. I was like, <laughs> well, that's where I'm going right there. Unfortunately, but, you know, breaking into that is typically as a temp attorney. And as anybody who's been a temp attorney knows that it's a horrible job to do. Very um, true. <laughs> it, it, it just is. It's, you know, the, the whole process is, you know, temp attorneys are, are really treated like a, like a commodity. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not fast enough, you know, you will get a call that night and don't come in the next morning. We, you know, we'll bring somebody else in because there's, you know, hundreds of people right behind you who are willing to do it faster and, and you know, just as cheap. So, you know, it breeds Maybe this cheaper. Whole, and cheaper. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it breeds this whole, you know, this whole mentality where all you're doing is, is trying to get through documents very quickly and, you know, and, and basically quicker than the guy next to you, you know, as long as I can outrun him, then I can stay and, and he will go. And, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, usually, you know, the, the managers will say, you know, you guys aren't being careful enough because obviously everyone knows speed is, you know, typically not, you know, coexistent with, you know, being very careful. So, you know, then you start to, in your mind, you're like, okay, am I, am I going too fast? I need to slow down and be careful, but I have to speed up. And so you're, you're constantly, you know, doing that battle anyway, just to keep a job. Like it's, it doesn't have anything to do with the actual work that you're doing. The documents that you're reviewing at that point are, you know, are meaningless. It's Mm -hmm. just about making sure that you still have a paycheck at the end of the week. Absolutely. And I don't know, Lisa, but, um, I actually spent some time in the e-discovery world myself. I started as a temp attorney and eventually went to in-house at an e-discovery vendor as well um, before turning over a new leaf and starting at Above the Law. But, you so know, a constant stream down is what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is, listen, this is the this is the most fun job I've certainly okay. had. It's a lot more fun than big law. But, you know, you said you started uh, in the industry in the early 2000s, and I didn't start in the e-discovery world till 2009. And everyone kind of talked about the halcyon days, you know, kind of before the bust when, you know, the, the money ran a lot freer. A lot, people were less concerned about margins and about how fast sure. they were doing. How do you see sort of the industry, how it developed from, from that time period, the early 2000s till now? 2009, when, when you started, that literally... The worst. <laughs> yeah, well, it was the, about a year before that was when, you know, I was still a temp attorney and BIA was actually looking to branch. And they, at that point, they were really just doing, you know, everything but the document review portion. Mm-hmm. And they had a large client who needed document review on a, you know, recurring basis. So, you know, after trying to find document reviewers all the time, BIA said, you know, let's just open a document review center. Like, how hard could it be? So, you know, and and they decided decided to, you know, locate it in, so we're in Michigan Mm -hmm. and they located it in Michigan. It's, you know, it's, we're two hours from Chicago. We're two hours from Detroit. It's Midwest, you know, it's Midwest, you know, pricing, you know, not, not East coast, West coast pricing. So, you know, we were hoping to get a little benefit there. And that was what, you know, when I came into BIA, that was essentially what I did was I wanted to grow, you know, the document review business 
and have it be different than temp attorneys. So, you know, mm-hmm. I wanted, you know, full-time attorneys who weren't making sure that they got a paycheck at the end of the week because they were salaried right. and it didn't matter mm-hmm. how fast they were. I needed them to be careful, not, you know, not fast. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's really where, you know, the industry kind of has tried to go. There's still a lot of, you know, temp attorneys that just, you know, they, they want them to, you know, just go fast and go through a lot of documents and they don't care. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a lot of times it's for like a second review or something where there's a, you know, there's a huge need to just be fast and maybe not so accurate because it's not really going towards a litigation or something. Mm-hmm. But, you know, where, where we're talking litigation, you know, you know, as the years go on, we're doing more and more where they want to, you know, let's use analytics and, you know, let's use all these right. other tools that we have to augment, you know, the document review. And, you know, that's, that's where the next big, you know, psychology piece comes in is, is the analytics. Yeah. I mean, analytics are, I just came off of a tech show. And so I've been, I've been neck deep in people. Yeah. (laughs) Neck deep in people showing me the improvements they've made to all their analytics and their review algorithms too, that take in real time as people are entering things, figuring out, oh, you've, you've clicked the following three things responsive. So we can already assume the next 10,000 things are, you know, that sort of stuff. But it's really fascinating how this works. And I, and it, it does strike me, you know, you were talking about the new psychology of analytics. It, it seems as though that can only be kind of a help to the poor review situation in that the analytics can put the person running the review in a position where they don't need to just focus on speed, where they can actually get some intelligence to say, this person may be slower, but they're doing better stuff. Absolutely. And one one of the big things that, so, you know, the analytics companies, obviously, you know, they're, they're trying to sell the analytics and they're trying to sell them, you know, document review is a big cost and here's a way to, you know, lower your cost because you can get through it faster and, and, you know, review fewer documents. And all of that is true to a, you know, to a point, but where, where I find the most benefit from analytics at this point is, Actually, you know, regardless of whether you even use it for culling, and, and sometimes we, you know, we've got some clients who literally still review 100% of their documents, but we still use analytics with it. The, the cost for analytics has dropped so much in the last few years that it does not make sense not to use it anymore just to get, you know, it, it's not just the tar portion of it, you know, the, the mm-hmm. predictive coding type stuff. You know, we also use it to, to get the email threading and to, you know, identify near duplicates where, you know, two documents have very similar text. Right. Um, so like, you know, a draft contract versus, you know, the finished contract or multiple versions of that draft contract, you know, analytics goes through and, and, you know, identifies all that stuff for us. So now instead of taking, you know, a, a batch of documents and saying, okay, here's all of Joe Smith's documents, you know, go at it. When a document reviewer is reviewing through that, you know, even if they're, you know, full-time salary and, and they're trying to be very careful because they can spend as much time as they want. Going through that, you still will get big pockets of like non-responsive documents. And the more non-responsive documents you go through, the more your brain goes, wait a minute, maybe I'm missing something. Like, it seems like there should be some responsive documents in here because otherwise, why would I be, you know, reviewing these documents? So you start to kind of skew your, your, you know, your understanding of what's responsive or vice versa, you know, what's not responsive simply because you haven't gotten to any of those documents yet. And, you know, we also see, a lot of times clients will still want us to try and review documents as a family, right. which means that, you know, if you've got a parent email and it's got attachments, they want you to review all of those at the same time versus, you know, what we would really like to do is review just on the four corners of the document. If you've got, you know, a, an Excel that was attached to an email, 
I want to see that Excel, not with the email itself. And the reason for that is we're supposed to be judging each document as, as considering, you know, whether or not this document itself is responsive to the request. And if we're, you know, looking at an Excel and we look at the email that it came from and we say, well, the email looks responsive. So the Excel must be responsive. That really will skew the analytics and everything else. We need to like, you know, just focus on the four corners of the document. And, and that's something that the analytics helps us do is make sure that we're only looking at documents that we need to look at in line, like with the email thread and that it is feeding us basically because we're using some type of, you know, like a tar model. So one thing that came up while I was uh, listening to folks over the, the last show was for those who aren't in this industry, they you you know, the phrases like tar, everyone kind of understands that conceptually, but within the industry, tar is gone through a bunch of different iterations and like tar 1.0 that, you know, you might've been working with in that early 2000s era is not the same as where we are today. Like the sophistication has just picked up. But one vendor told me that an advantage of their system was that it could could kind of be backward compatible with TAR 1.0. And I said, well, why would that matter? And the response was, I thought this was interesting and to see if it fits with your experience, that sometimes the client's don't trust the technological advancements, but oh, they yeah. feel comfortable with 1.0. <laughs> and so right. the clients are actually saying, slow down, go back to the old thing. We understand that at least, which I thought was, you know, a, a real testament to where lawyers, uh, the whole lawyers are Luddites model. But so you're seeing that too. Yeah, it's it's very surprising how, how much they won't trust it. And it's funny because you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely not the same algorithms, but it's very similar to, you know, when you go on Netflix and Netflix says, you know, you've watched these, you know, 18 shows. We think you might like this. And you look and you say, yeah, I actually would like to watch that. I never yeah. heard of that. It's, it's not that much different. It's, you know, most of the models at this point are really, you know, they're, they're, it's not like they're looking at specific keywords. It's not like they're looking at anything in particular like that. They're looking for patterns of, you know, it's, it's the measurement of the words, you know, combined with each other and, very, very complex, but it, you know, it works out really well. And one thing that, that we found is, you know, if you, if you think back to, you know, the, the document attorneys who are sitting there and trying to, you know, essentially beat the person next to them. Now, what we've really moved into is they're trying to beat the computer sometimes, you know, the computer <laughs> has, has said, I think this document is responsive. And they look at it and they're like, well, well, let me, let me verify that it's right. And, and you've kind of like, you know, changed that, you know, the fact that they're trying to eat each other. And now they're, they're trying to fight with the, you know, with the computer itself, which really gets very good coding. You know, they, they spend time, they make sure that they're correct. And, you know, where the computer's correct, they're, you know, they're fine to say, yeah, the computer was right there. And it's almost like, you know, how many people will, will tune in to watch chess obviously plenty of people, but not a huge amount of people. But the minute somebody wanted to play chess against the computer, a lot of people tuned in to watch. Uh -huh. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where we're, we're still in that age where we find it hard to believe that a computer can replace us. And, you know, a computer is not replacing the reviewers here, but it's, it's definitely helping them. And they, they definitely, you know, will, will challenge those calls and, and it makes for very good, you know, very, very solid coding. Can you talk a little bit about the ways in which um, the analytics are changing the psychology of document review? But, you know, you kind of mentioned earlier about how 
when you're in a, a batch of non-responsive documents that you sort of spend more time kind of hunting out what's responsive because that you've had so many non-responsive right. documents in a row. Do you think that's something that's really developed with the advent of the analytics? Because I can certainly remember, you know, kind of back in the day on, on old school projects where we didn't have a, a lot of analytics and it was very exciting to get an entire batch of non-responsive documents because I could kind of get my numbers up for the day. Right, exactly. <laughs> and and that's, and that's, that's the thing is, you know, there was... There was all these things that you would do with, you know, a batch of non-responsive yeah, like, Let me grab this custodian. I know they're exactly, not responsive. <laughs> exactly. But, but and that's the thing, though, is you weren't, at that point, you weren't really looking at the documents, you know, to make sure that you were sending the right documents out the door. Mm-hmm. Like, there was, there was just the, all these other reasons that you were going through the documents. And, and that's, you know, that's a lot of what we've, we're trying to, you know, change over is, you know, you know, stop treating, in particular, stop, you know, stop treating the, the temp attorneys like some renewable commodity. They're highly They're educated <laughs> humans who you literally are, are, you know, hiring to help you answer a court order. And that's what, you know, that's how they're, they're trying to behave. And that's, that's how we should treat them. And, and, you know, you get a much better result when you, when you do treat them that way. And, you know, another thing that I asked earlier, I was like, is there anything I'm, I'm forgetting? And, and one of the guys that works with me um, reminded me, and, and it was, it's, Highlighting, highlighting in document review is <laughs> it's something that clients always want, and temp attorneys will typically want it too. And it's because it, it you know, frankly, it makes it you can go through a lot faster. The best, yeah. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, typically, what we're doing is, is you know, the client gives us a list of keywords and says, "Here are all of our keywords. Highlight these." And here's a list of all the attorney names. Highlight these, and let's highlight them in two different colors. Let's highlight. The keywords green and let's highlight the attorney names red, which like literally is like nails on a chalkboard whenever I whenever <laughs> I read that at this point. Because essentially you've now turned most of the documents into, you know, a Christmas tree, number one. Right. <laughs> number two, your eyes get highlight fatigue. And mm-hmm. you know, after you've gone through four or five hundred documents with the same words highlighted, your eyes start naturally looking at the stuff that isn't highlighted because you're tired of looking at the highlights. And, you know, you, you start to see a lot of stuff that, and you literally will just look over the highlights and not pay attention. And, you know, one, one of the things that clients always ask is, well, then, you know, how am I supposed to get through to the, you know, to the idea that this document has all these words? And, you know, for one, if, if it has, you know, if having that word makes the document responsive on its own, like just because it has the word banana, it is responsive then don't even have a human look at it unless, you know, it's just for the mm-hmm. privilege review or something. Just go ahead and tag it. And, you know, anything that has banana is responsive. But, you know, aside from that, most of the review tools have, you know, have the ability to put all the search terms, you know, along the side or, you know, in the coding layout itself so that you've still got the list of, of you know, what words were in that document. It's just not, you know, blaring and, and drawing your eyes towards those. And mm-hmm. you, you just, you lose a lot of the focus when, when you've got everything highlighted like that. Not to mention, there isn't a database alive that it does not slow down if you're going to highlight oh, a sure. ton of words. <laughs> for sure. But, you know, I, I also think there's there's a real benefit to the highlighting when you're dealing with larger documents. You know, if you're in a, a batch of Excel spreadsheets or something yes. like that oh, yeah. where – you're like I don't I don't know where in this 1100 page document yeah that must it, be it, and is being talked about I don't know yeah a spreadsheet a spreadsheet is is one of the worst because they're, yeah. they're just they're hard to review on a screen anyway but yeah and and what what I would n- normally say is you know if you're going to you know if you're going to use highlighting a you know limit it to to certain things that are really important like you know you may have a lot of search terms that you've 
agreed to simply because, you know, you're negotiating with the other side. But they don't you know how to be not really going to be helpful. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, you can yeah. pare down that list. But at the same time, you can also, you know, most of the review tools will allow you to, you know, turn on and off the the, the highlighting. Don't ever take that away from reviewers. I, I know that, you know, there's a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of, of, you know, managers who will, who will take the ability for, you know, the individual reviewer to turn that on and off. Mm-hmm. At least if you leave it on, you know, they can, you know, when, when their eyes start getting tired or they know that they're seeing certain words too often, they can turn that off and, and just focus on the ones that are important. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. that, and that's kind of going back to your kind of mission that you were talking about, about getting um, all of the kind of stakeholders to see reviewers as highly trained, educated individuals. Yeah. Um, and, you know, letting reviewers have that level of autonomy to say, yes, I need it now. No, I don't need it for these sorts of documents, I think is is one step in that direction. What are some of the other things that you see that you you all are doing to kind of reinforce that model that reviewers are, in fact, people? We do a lot of, you know, with the, with the analytics, in particular with analytics, because there's still so much. And it's not so much that it's unknown. It's just it's so much to try and learn mm-hmm. on top of the review tool on top of, you know, the, the facts of the case and everything else that, you know, what we really like to do now is, is take our reviewers who, you know, have been working in, you know, you know, relativity and, and the other review tools mm-hmm. for you know, a decade now, <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, let them be your guide for the analytics. You know, it, you know, if we've mm-hmm. got, you know, seven, eight people on your document review, they all know analytics really well, you know, instead of trying to, you know, plow through and figure out how the analytics works, you know, let them, you know, guide you and show you. And, you know, basically, you know, think of them as an extension of, of you know, your paralegal team or, you know, your your legal assistants. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're all, you know, licensed attorneys. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's the ones that, with their you know, hands well, in the documents. I don't, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, clients are always very, or, you know, law firms are very, you know, they, they, they need to be able to control the product that goes out, which is, you know, absolutely their, their purview, mm-hmm. but we can still help with that. Like there's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we can guide them through and, and show them. And, and it makes real sense to have somebody who literally works in this day after day to, mm-hmm. to show you. Yeah. It's one of those situations like a, the extension of staff is an, is a good analogy. Cause even though there are obviously problems within firms between how people treat staff as well, but for instance, I would never question the managing attorney's office on what color the backs are supposed to be on some filing I'm putting in, right? Like, right. I just know this is what they do. They got this. This is their their yeah. and, purview. And that is and, definitely like getting yeah. people to understand that these are our subject matter experts in terms of the review process being the subject. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. is, is is real. I I have plenty of stories of you know attorneys from either the client, either the client or from you know a law firm, you know, coming in and being very rude and not very respectful of the reviewers. And as a reviewer at the time, I was just like, oh. Okay, this is how we get treated now, <laughs> and it, it's demoralizing, and it can't does not hurt, help production at all, and it, it does the opposite. Absolutely. Now you found, if I recall correctly, from stories that you've told from that hmm. era. Are you saying you think I repeat stories? Or? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, but if I recall correctly, the the problem tended to be more of a law firm problem 100%. than a client problem. Yeah, that is very true. That the, um, that the legal de- mm-hmm. in house folks yeah. had kind of come around and in my experience very much so and also in-house folks were also much more uh 
aware of and concerned about the overall cost than the firms tend to be, right? So in-house, in my experience, was very happy to use a team of reviewers because they knew how much it would cost if it went to a law firm as opposed to a room full of reviewers. And, you know, we're understanding of that process. um, And we're also in a position of hiring people en masse at times. and, And, you know, we're just much more comfortable with the process. Whereas the times where we worked with um, outside counsel, they felt it felt very much like they knew we were taking their work away from them because yeah, this used exactly. to be easy way to bill out. I mean, I was also in big law back in the day, and that was how I spent half of my 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 first year as an associate. Right, was doing the exact same thing I, I later did for significantly less money. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and that they know that, and so there's I think there's that part of it um, as well as just oh you're you're not good enough. There's a very much a clear attitude I think from a lot of big attorneys saying that they don't think that contract attorneys are as good at what they do, but that is clearly false. And that, that's the thing is we, you know, typically the, the, you know, the contract attorneys or, you know, like, like the ones that we have where they're salaried, mm-hmm. they, they're not, they're not going to know your particular case as well, obviously, sure. because, you know, they don't have as much information as you do. They'll However, know relativity a lot better. <laughs> they, they know documents and yep. they know, you know, that, that's the thing is even, you know, even now I'm, I, I will be surprised at how little you know, a lot of people will understand just how people communicate. You know, they'll they'll give me a list of, of search terms and, you know, keywords and I'll look at it and I'll think nobody nobody talks like this in email. Like it's <laughs> it's just not that formal. And so, you know, it, it won't find the good, you know, the, the documents that you're looking for. And that's, you know, it's it really is. There's if people just could, you know, let go a little bit and, and realize that, you know, we, we look at documents, we understand the documents, we know how, you know, people attach them and how they, mm-hmm. you know, will say that there's an, att- my favorite is always, you know, well, this, this email says there's an attachment and there's no attachment. Like, and how often have you sent an email that you right. said, here's yeah. the attachment and you didn't attach it. That's what this is. Oh, look, the next document. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's always you know we 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 are more than happy to you know augment the the law firms and you know we're not trying to take the the work away from the law firms either you know we just know that we can help them we can help them you know get to you know the important stuff so that they can focus on the case and you know let us focus on the documents and we'll all get to the end together. <laughs> well, great. Uh, thank thank you for joining us today, uh, Lisa Prouse is at BIA. Uh, thanks for talking about e-discovery and all the, uh, all the, you know, all the process surrounding that with us. If you are listening to this show, good. If you are subscribed to this show, even better. You should be doing that. You should be giving it reviews, stars, little write-ups, helps us move up the algorithm of legal podcasts. You should be reading Above the Law. You should follow us on Twitter. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One. Uh, Catherine also has her own show called The Jabot, which you should listen to, which is about when minority and diversity issues in law, uh, you should listen to the other offerings of the Legal Talk Network. And with all of that said, oh, and thank you to Logical for sponsoring. And that's that. All right. We will not probably be around with an episode next week. There's another uh, tech show that we will have to be at, but we'll see. Uh, if not, it may be two weeks. We'll uh, talk to you soon, though. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. 
You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. 